Hello, everybody. Welcome inside Season 2 of the What You Need to Know podcast. I'm your host, Tyson Ewing, play-by-play voice of Utah women's basketball. This is the What You Need to Know podcast that focuses on all things University of Utah women's basketball. We take an in-depth look of what's going on inside the program. This is Episode 8 of the second season of What You Need to Know. Today's guest will be Drew Gilton, the point guard for the University of Utah women's basketball team. want to make sure to give a big shout-out to Naya Becker for joining us last week. And again, I do apologize because of Memorial Day. We were a day late uh, for that podcast last week. But we are back on schedule and ready to give this a go as we sit down with Drew Gilton today. I tell you what, Drew Gilton, one of those players, when I spoke with Coach Roberts when she first came into the program, she said, and I quote, that Drew Gilton has the potential to be a, quote, program changer as she has started every game of her collegiate career thus far and has absolutely blossomed. Now, if you remember back in 2017, she was attending high school. She was in the state semifinal game where she tore her ACL. So Drew actually sat out her freshman year because of a torn ACL, but Coach Roberts allowed her to travel with the team. So in her red shirt freshman year where she was not playing, she was still with the team learning the ins and outs and being at every single practice, even on the road, to see what everyday life was going to be like during the regular season. And I fully believe that that was extremely helpful in Drew's career uh, to where she is now to get that first year under her belt where she could kind of get a feel for how things work in the program. And obviously we saw how it blossomed her first year as a freshman attending the University of Utah. She was towards the top in the entire country in assists per game. She averages under nine points per game as a freshman, roughly around five and a half assists per game. And with it, she was named to the 2019-2020 Nancy Lieberman Award watch list, which is the award at the end of the season that's handed out to the top point guard. Preseason names the 20 best point guards coming in. Drew was the only sophomore on that list entering the season. Now, Drew did struggle with her shot a little bit throughout the year, uh, dipped a little bit in three-point percentage at 31%. Her overall field goal percentage dropped just a touch from 43 last year, the previous year, her freshman year, to 38% her sophomore year, but she was still assisting like crazy. Uh, she had her first career double-double in the final home game of the regular season against Arizona State, where she was just spectacular in that game. She was, Frankly, she was picking apart Arizona State in that game, especially in the second half. Uh, that was a game that Arizona State, they legit just could not miss from the three-point line. But in that second half, Utah really controlled every aspect of that game, and Drew led the way with 10 points and 12 assists. She also had five rebounds to go along with it uh, in that ball game as well. So I'm sure that I'll be able to sit down and talk to her uh, specifically. Now some a little bit of background of Drew Gilton. Uh, she is from Rapid City, South Dakota, attended St. Thomas More High School, uh, where she won four state championships, only lost about four games when she was attending high school. Really just one of those players uh, that was a true winner coming into the program. And like I said before, Coach Robert said that this is a player in Drew Gilton that has the potential to be a program changer. Now to give some highlights of her 2019-2020 season, she started in all 30 games, averaged about 27 minutes per game. She scored seven points, five and a half assists per game, as well as four rebounds and just a touch 
under uh, steal and a half per game. She finished the season tied for second in the Pac-12 and 22nd in the country in total assists, as well as third in the Pac-12 and 23rd in the nation in assists per game at that 5.3 clip, like I just mentioned. She's already broke the career 300 assist mark uh, during the regular season, becoming the fastest player in Utah history to achieve that mark. And obviously that's one of those things. If you remember the very first game that Drew Gilton ever played in was an exhibition game back in 2018. She had 15 assists in that game. First time ever putting on a Utah uniform. She had 15 assists. And so you knew from the get-go that Drew Gilton was going to be a special passer. And that's what she's come in and she has done. As I just mentioned, the fastest in program history to achieve the 300 career assist mark. So you have to love the type of competitive spirit that Drew Gilton has. Uh, She's a true winner and just cannot wait to sit down with Drew. So why am I waiting? Let's not wait anymore. Let's go ahead and welcome onto the podcast Drew Gilton. Drew, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and hopping on with us for a little bit. How is everything going in South Dakota? You know, it's going pretty well. Um, I could say I'm pretty blessed for just the family and the atmosphere that I'm in right now. Um, Everyone's safe here and, you know, just spending a lot of family time, a lot of time at home and just enjoying the time that I have here. Obviously, you're home right now. What have you been doing to fill your time during this quarantine? Yeah, other than uh, working out and trying to stay conditioned, stay in shape, I found a new hobby, which is homeschooling, as my siblings aren't in school either. Um, So I am their homeschool teacher at the moment. And unfortunately, I do not see teaching in my future at all, because I do not enjoy it as much as I thought possibly. But um, definitely a lot of family time. And I've also spent a lot of time outside enjoying uh, the South Dakota nature and riding a lot of horses. So kind of just finding things to do here, but I'm super blessed for the place that I'm in right now. Now, along with you being home, one of the things back in Salt Lake City that you're not a part of right now is the Bobbies, but you did add a Bobby while you have been in South Dakota. Talk about the Bobbies for a moment. Yeah, so the Bobbies are back in Salt Lake and Bob, which is our home. Yeah, with me being here in South Dakota, um, it's opened my room up to Naya. So she's officially Bobby Four. So I do miss them all, and I wish I was there too. But I know that they're having a great time being Bobbies and doing Bobby adventures. So I, I have our weekly FaceTimes with them, but super blessed for just being here and them also being safe in Bob. All right, so now let's move on, talk about the season for a moment. There were a lot of good moments for you. Your first career double-double, you also hit a game-tying free throw at BYU. A lot of good things that went your way. Maybe some things that might not have gone your way, but as you reflect on the 2019-2020 season, what are some things that stick out in your mind? Yeah, a couple things that stuck out for this season for me specifically were our trips. So one of our first trips was to Hawaii. It was just fun to get out of Salt Lake for a little bit and go to somewhere different and just experience that with friends and specifically my family was able to go too. So just spending time with them there. And then our other trip that stood out to me was our California trip towards the end of the season um, between our last game and the Pac-12 tournament. So just super blessed also with that, with um, Kendall and her family um, for just hosting us there. Um, And more specifically towards the basketball part, I'd say, one of the games that stuck out to me was our University of South Dakota games. Um, just the fact that I was able to play people that I personally knew and one girl that I went to high school with, Kira, just the 
be on the court with people from South Dakota and just it was just a fun atmosphere and I enjoyed it a lot even though it, we didn't win but it was a close game it was such a cool environment to be in and then uh, towards the end of the season the two games that stuck out to me was our win against UW in the tournament just to go into the second round and then the game against Oregon was one of my favorites I think we put three really good quarters together and at that time we were playing our best basketball so those were the moments that stuck out to me. Now, as you reflect, I, I mentioned that BYU game to that BYU game specifically. The atmosphere was incredible, even though it was a really snowy after a snowy night. Actually, a really snowy night. Still, a lot of people were on hand for that one, and you got fouled with I believe it was no more than three seconds left. One for two from the line to tie the game, send it to overtime before that three quarters heave darn near dropped. Uh, but talk about that game for a moment and what you remember most from this year's matchup against BYU. Yeah, it's definitely always fun to go down to BYU and play because it's just the world against you guys, blue against red. That's definitely always a game that sticks out to me. It's always fun to go down there and get a win against BYU. Thinking about the game and thinking about the free throws, I wish I would have went two for two, but I did enough to get us continued on in the game. But it's always BYU is such a great competitive atmosphere to play in and they're always competitive so it's just one of the games that it's just fun to play with everyone and good thing we got to win this time down there specifically hey you're undefeated against BYU you're you're perfect 2-0 I'm gonna try to keep it that way I'm sure Utah fans love to hear you say that another game that sticks out in my mind was the last home game of the regular season you were just spectacular in that basketball game. You had your first career double-double, as I mentioned earlier, February 23rd at home against Arizona State. 10 points, 12 assists to go along with five rebounds as well. You were everywhere on the floor that day. As you reflect back to that game specifically, how were you in such a rhythm that day? Yeah, I think playing Arizona State at home is always, it's always just a competition. I I think in the past that's always been that way and I think in the future it'll remain the same so I think my mindset was just the fact that I knew it was going to be such a challenging game and just accepting the challenge for what it was um, just like motivated me as a player and then also I recall that was senior night too or senior day Um, so just the fact that we had two amazing seniors and just wanting to go out and play for them and um, I know Denisha got hurt last year playing Arizona State so there's a little motivation there just kind of winning the last one for her and winning the last one for Kiana um, and just trying to end their journey the way it should end was also just some motivation. Now, I felt like that game was really a nice springboard to help you into that Pac-12 tournament. As you mentioned, you guys played Washington really well. You said for three quarters, just really well. And then you played Oregon for the third time this year. There was no other team that you played more. You know, the potential 2020 champions had there had been an NCAA tournament, likely the champions this year. As you think to your schedule from last year, you guys had easily one of the top 10 hardest schedules in the entire country. It felt like each and every single week you guys were playing a top 10 team. Do you feel that last year's schedule can help you into next season as well? For sure. Um, This season was definitely a challenging one schedule-wise. The Pac-12 was just loaded this year with talent, and it is only going to get better from here too. But I think playing such a challenging schedule will help us in the future. I think yeah, a lot of us were young. Yeah, we might not have had a lot of experience as, say, Oregon or some of the other teams. But I think it was definitely beneficial for our future. Is like now we have the experience. Yes, we've been through it and we've learned from it. And hopefully that we can use that to our advantage for next year. Now I'm moving off the court for just a moment, Drew. I'd love to kind of get some highlights from your sophomore year at college off the floor. 
Yeah, um, so actually last summer, well actually I think this started our freshman year, specifically with Mo and I, we kind of wanted to get out of the state of Utah or just tour the state of Utah. So each summer we've taken a trip somewhere. So last summer, going into my sophomore basketball year, um, we went to Zion National Park. And so it was me, Mo, Erica Bean, uh, Kemri, and Brenna. And we all went down there and we actually camped in a tent um, for a weekend. So that was one of my favorite moments going into my sophomore year, which is the fact that I got to experience the present with uh, Brenna and Kemri, but also the past with Bean um, and Mo and just kind of make friendships as we go and make memories and experience the state of Utah because it's so beautiful. So that was definitely one of my favorite off-court memories going into my sophomore year. And then maybe as you think back throughout your entire college experience, is there anything else that maybe sticks out in your mind as something that you just will cherish the rest of your life? I think our foreign tour um, will definitely stick out to me. It's just a unique unique experience that you can't really get anywhere else, I think. And then more specifically to basketball, I think beating Stanford for the first time in in school history is just, I think you can ask anybody who's on the team that year, that's definitely one of their favorite moments just to make school history and just to be a part of something that Utah has never accomplished because when we were getting recruited, that's something that me specifically, I wanted to come in and make a difference. And I think that's one thing that I've been a part of and helped and it's just cool to me to say that I beat Stanford. You did that and in fact you're the one that had the ball in your hands really that last moment. You get the rebound, you go coast to coast, game over. Yes, I was definitely dribbling with my right hand on the left side which no one will ever give that up but I'm, it was just a great time so I live with it. Hey, you got the job done, that's all that matters. Let people tease you all they want about what hand the ball was in. So I'd love to know now, as you think back to last offseason, this is another offseason for you, but let's think back to last offseason. Where do you feel that you grew the most between your freshman year and your sophomore year? Yeah, um, I think my freshman year, I don't think any freshman really goes in thinking that they'd get a starting spot or play as much as I did play. Speaking, I'm staying humble through this. But going from my freshman year where I am kind of a two guard, one guard, kind of backup point guard. And then going into my sophomore year where I'm the starting point guard, I think throughout from last year to this year, I think I was just forced to grow into a better leader and a better role model on and off the court. So I think that's something that I, one, was forced to do because of the point that I was in and two, accepted the challenge and tried to do my best throughout the season to accomplish that. That's a great thought. That's really cool. What are some of your favorite memories as you think back to prior to when you came to the University of Utah? Obviously, you and I have talked specifically about how you hardly ever lost when you were in high school. What are some memories that you have uh, prior to your collegiate career, maybe AAU basketball, high school basketball? Yeah, um, for sure. Winning four straight championships in high school was, I don't think, I'll ever forget that. And there's so many memories that go along with that. But also just playing for a Nike-sponsored AAU team and just the places that I was able to travel. I traveled overseas. I traveled within the States, um, all over. So just the friendships and the places that I was able to tour and travel with through that AAU team is also something that I don't think I can really get anywhere else. And I can only thank basketball for the fact that I've gone so many different places in my life. So just those memories, I think, from high school winning so many games and traveling with AAU, it's something that I always cherish. And you just said that you like to stay humble, but I'd love to know, do you know how many games you won when you were in high school? 
Uh, no, but I'd say you probably play 30 a season. So. How about this? Do you know how many games you lost when you were in high school? I think three or four. <laughs> in your whole four years attending high school? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I said, when you came to the university, you were no doubt a winner in my mind. So I got no doubt that you're going to continue to bring that winning spirit in the next season as well. Correct. Now, what do you feel? I just asked you what you feel that you did to grow the most between your freshman and sophomore years. What do you feel you need to do in this offseason, your sophomore and your junior years, to be even better than you were last year or this past season? Um, I definitely think there's always ways that players can make their game better or increase their difficulties in some way. And I think looking back on the season, like I said before, I did work on my leadership from last year, but I think even more so now with younger players coming in and each season's a new season is just expanding my leadership more on and off the court. And especially it's challenging in a time right right now where we should all be together socializing and practicing and doing all that. So it's definitely challenged me currently just to be a better leader while social distancing and while being in different countries or different states or different places. So I think expanding my leadership qualities a little more and then specifically towards basketball, I think just becoming more consistent and becoming more of a offensive threat when we need it. Um, We have so many amazing players and amazing scores on the team, but I think me becoming more offensive threat or just being more offensively consistent can make us even better. Now, I don't want you to necessarily go too far into it, but you had just mentioned that during the strange time that we're in right now that you've had to really build and continue to build your leadership skills. Where do you feel that you've done that so far? I think, I mean, after every season, we always have meetings with our coaches, but we've kind of taken that to a new level. I meet with Gavin a lot, almost every other week or so, and we just talk and explain our season or explain like how we're doing. So I think first just communication with the coaches has been super beneficial. And just even if we don't even talk about basketball, just talk about life or what we did that day. Um, It just builds a connection. And I think connection between coaches and players and just having that trust and that bond is something that you can see throughout any successful team, specifically towards our team and our teammates and hope in the upcoming freshmen. We just have our Zoom meetings or just just try to stay connected as best as possible and throw out random chats in our group messages. Just trying to find new things that I know everybody in the world is using Zoom right now. So just trying to do different things just to um, build the connections and build new friendships and just preparing that for the season. One of the things that makes Utah special, in my opinion, as I've been around the program a lot, is after games, Win or lose, you guys are able to visit with fans. And I know fans cherish that. Uh, Naya just told me last week that she cherishes that because especially uh, win or lose, I talked about her specifically. When you lose, it's actually kind of a nice little spacer, I guess you can say, a little 10-minute spacer to where you can take your mind off the loss for a minute and just focus on those people. Uh, Now, I'd love to know if you have a fan moment or any moment with a fan that has stuck out in your mind or that is a nice memory for you. It doesn't have to be during those moments of, you know, visiting with them after a game. It could be whether you go do service, like I know you guys do. Uh, Just do you have any favorite fan moments from your career thus far at Utah? Yeah, I don't. um, Of course, I love all our fans and they're always there for us. And they're just our our number one go-tos, win or lose, and on the road or at home. Um, But I think one fan moment that specifically stands out to me is there's one little – fan his name is Drew so I feel like every anytime he's at one of the games he's always coming up to me and 
I mean, it's pretty easy to remember our name. So I think that's just one specific moment is every time after a home game, he'll always come up like, hi, Drew. Hi, Drew. It's kind of cool. So yeah, that's something that sticks out to me. That's awesome. Definitely one of those things that is really great for you guys. And I know will leave lasting impressions on their lives as they think back to being able to meet you and to have you specifically be their mentor. I'd love to know more about your family. Uh, tell me your parents' names, your siblings. I know I do know a little bit about your family. I know you are the oldest in your family. Tell me your siblings' names and some things you guys enjoy doing together as a family. Yeah, so my parents are Daniel and Christy, and I have three younger siblings, Michael, Riley, and Buzzy. Um, and yes, he does go by Buzz. And a couple of things that I guess like we like to do here, especially now in quarantine, is kind of expand our horizons outside. South Dakota has a lot of different places that you can go to while social distancing. So just spending time outside, riding horses. I guess a big thing in my family is a competition. Everything's competition. So something simple as going to get the mail or see how fast you can finish your food first. Um, So definitely if we're being stuck at home together, we're always finding something to compete in, even though my parents don't like that. But (laughs) yeah, we just try to find something if it's little basketball games downstairs or shooting competitions outside or who can do the most bicep curls, we're definitely finding something just to compete in. Or dance competitions. Or dance competitions, yes. And I do not win those, and I'm okay with that. I find that hard to believe that your dad doesn't like that. (laughs) Well, I think deep down he does, but he just doesn't want to show it. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about your hometown. You're from Rapid City, South Dakota. If I were to take a tour of your hometown, what are some must-see sites? Maybe think back to what you used to do as a kid, where you used to hang out, and some memories that you have specifically of your hometown. Yeah, so I think growing up, I actually grew up in Hill City, South Dakota. It's a lot smaller than Rapid, only about 30 miles away. So growing up there, kind of like I said before, it's a lot of nature. So we always go on a lot of hikes. A big popular one is Mount Rushmore. So if you had a must-see site, I'd definitely say to go there. The Black Hills is just a beautiful spot even just to drive through. So just driving through all the cities and this radius of our little West River over here um, is definitely fun. Yeah, so I'd say just touring around. um, This side of the state is definitely a touristy part of South Dakota, so I feel like you could always find something to do here. You're clearly an outdoor girl, and I'd love to know some other things that you enjoy doing, maybe by yourself and some things that you enjoy doing with your friends and family. Yeah. So like I kind of said before, I like to go on hikes. There's a lot of hikes here. I like to ride horse, which is something probably not a lot of people do. Um, So ride horse in the Black Hills or out in the Badlands. While I've been home, I've done a couple brandings, (laughs) which is definitely different, but it's kind of just the culture here in South Dakota. So that's been fun kind of just to get out and expand. Specifically to me, I like to take pictures of either people or outdoorsy things. And I'm a very organized and planning type of person. I always have my planner anywhere I go. So as of here in quarantine, I'm just trying to find random things to plan and to organize and just to take up my time. So that's what that's something that I like to do. Has that been a challenge being in quarantine, trying to find things to plan your day out with? Definitely. I've always I've already used a bottle of whiteout to white out the things I already had planned in May. So just trying to find new things to add in there. Now, you had said that not a lot of people you know, ride horses, but I'd love to know, what is something that maybe a lot of people don't know about Drew Gilden? 
Maybe one thing people don't know about me is when I was growing up, I was actually in 4-H. I participated in rodeo. I did barrels, pole bending, and goat tying. So that's, I think that's something that I still enjoy riding horses. I don't do that now because it's a little dangerous, but just riding around is something that I enjoy and just the connection with the animals that you have. And I've had the same horse since I was younger. So just rebuilding that connection and just finding that other friendship with an animal, something maybe some people don't know about me. I didn't realize that. I didn't know you were in rodeo. That's why I asked the question. Now, I know this question, it could mean a lot of different things, but I'd love to know if you have a favorite athlete. Who is this person? Why are they your favorite athlete? And how has this person's example helped you to be who you are today? Yeah, so another thing about me is I do not like picking, so I really don't have any favorites. So I specifically don't have a favorite athlete, but I could go on saying that Someone who's kind of been my hero or someone who's been motivating me is definitely my family. Um, I think I could go along each person and say something different about them and how they've kind of changed my life for the better or motivated me a way to be a better person or learn from an experience that they went through. And a lot of my family have been athletes. My grandpa played in college. My both my parents played in college. So I guess you could consider them too. But yeah, I think they're my favorite athletes and my role models and my heroes. So. Now, I'd love to kind of build on that just a little bit. I know your dad, and I know that he is kind of hard on you. I'd love to kind of get an idea of growing up with your mom and with your dad, how much their example, how much their push helped you to be who you are today. Yeah, definitely. I think the fact that they both played college athletics, I mean, they both played college basketball, kind of... I think from when I was born, I had a basketball in my hands and I can relate or I can remember a picture of me. I think I was only a couple months old and I had a plastic basketball in my hands. So I think growing up, people don't say you're born into basketball, but I, I could disagree in the fact that I think I was. And I think this has always been my journey. And I don't know what it is about basketball, but I've always been interested in it. And yeah, growing up, my dad was that I can remember. He's always been my coach. I remember starting varsity as a seventh grader and playing JV for him. At the time, it, I thought it was miserable. I think I cried every game. I'd have to go home and I'd have to hear about it. And we watched so much film. And But as I look at it now, it's kind of, I don't think I'd be the player I am today without his attitude towards coaching me and his attitude towards the game of basketball. And I think my mom also plays a role in that. It's like she was the she was my backbone. She was someone I could always turn to. So maybe wasn't so intense as my dad, but could communicate in a way that I could learn from. and. Maybe I wouldn't get so frustrated or maybe I wouldn't cry when I talk to her. But both the roles that they've played in my life and in my basketball journey, I don't think I would be the person I am or the player I am today without them. Speaking of the type of player that you are, you're a unique player in and of itself. You always like to get people involved and uh, you're very crafty with the basketball in your hands. Have you always been that type of player or is it something that you've slowly developed into? I think when I was younger, I played in a program called Upward as like a Christian-based basketball thing. And I think playing then, I was more of the selfish, I need to score type of player. And then I think as I evolved and kind of bringing my dad into this um, traveling team, he was my coach as well. So I think from then on, he was always like, okay, you need to get your teammates involved. If one player can guard you and then our whole team is screwed, like you need to get everyone involved. Everyone can score it's going to be harder for defenses to stop. So I think at a young age, again, my dad kind of imprinted the fact that 
sharing the ball is the best success in basketball. And then I think that just stayed in my head and just kind of formed me into the player that I am today. I think that's actually, as you say that, I think that's so rare. I think having a coach and a father like yours that, you know, encourages you to share with your teammates, I think you find that rare because you went through the AAU circuit. I went through it briefly. But the one thing I saw the most is that usually parents who were coaching their kids wanted them to be the spotlight. How was that so different with your father? I think it's just how he was raised. I think even the way I was raised in our families, I think it's just the fact that we don't really need the spotlight. We just want everyone to be successful. And if everyone's successful, then everything is going to work out and the people are the best versions of themselves that they can be. So I think the fact that, yeah, you don't really see that much often if you go to a high school game or an AAU game. I think it's something that kind of sticks out to other coaches is maybe, okay, this player isn't the best scorer on the team, but they have all of these aspects as well. I think you can always become a scorer, but I don't think that you can always find other characteristics and other ways to do things in basketball too. So I think that's just kind of a unique aspect of basketball is just finding different ways to make your impact. Now, what led to your decision to attend the University of Utah? They were definitely always first to contact me, first to always send me things, send me the letters and the updates on the university. Um, I think from the very beginning, they never stopped contacting me, unlike some other schools, or maybe they contacted me in the beginning and then they stopped, or later on, as I played more AU, then they'd come. Um, They're just always first, just to show me so much love and so much respect and so much caring. They always wanted to know what I was doing. They always wanted to be involved. So I think what led to my decision was the fact that they cared so much about me that I, I couldn't resist it. It was something that I felt like it was a family atmosphere, and that's something that I wanted to continue my career in. This might be a bit of a challenging follow-up question, but I'd love, to, I'd love to know how you were discovered. Being a small-town girl, you were obviously a winner, so that, that was definitely, I'm sure, one of the things that helped. But how, as you think back, how were you discovered? Yeah, I don't think that I would have gotten as much attention as if I didn't play on the EYBLAU team. And Coach Gavin and I talk about this all the time. I think we were in Tennessee at one of the tournaments. I think it was Tennessee. And I actually remember this. Like, it was a gym full, like, all these cohorts, and it was so humid. We were playing Texas United, which is a bunch of very tall girls. A lot of them go to Texas now. But I remember, like, warming up at one end of the court, and I looked down at the other, and the benches were full of college coaches. And I remember, like, seeing, like, Utah, and I'm like – who the heck is Utah? And like, who are they? And like, who is this guy? And, but it was Gavin. I think that was the first time he's ever watched me play. So I think after that, it was, it came from all coaches, but I specifically remember that one moment when I saw Gavin, I'm like, who the heck is Utah? Like, what is, who's this college? Like, where are they? And I really had no idea um, until after that, but that's kind of a cool, cool memory that I have. That actually perfectly leads into my question. First time you came to Utah, what was it like for you? What are some things that you remember from your official visit? And uh, was it a bit of a culture shock at all for you? Yeah, so I think growing up or coming from such a small place and like getting all this attention from all these colleges, I really personally did not like the recruiting process. So my parents were always on me to like keep in contact with these coaches, like this is your future, blah, 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 blah. And so when I finally was able to schedule my official visit with Utah at that point I was kind of like okay if this works then 
because I, I've been talking to them for so long, like I just knew, like I knew them already and I feel like I knew the place, it's just I hadn't been there before. So I, I remember having a feeling of just like stepping off the small plane from Rapid City, South Dakota and Salt Lake and just kind of feeling this sense of like, oh wow, this is, this feels like the right place for me. And it sounds kind of cliche, but I feel like right as I stepped off the plane, it just felt like the right place. And then after that, I actually went on my visit with Mo. I think they did that on purpose. <laughs> But it was just everything seemed to fit into the puzzle that I wanted to wanted to make for myself and make for my future. And yeah, Utah was definitely the place for me. To end, Drew, I'd love to get this question. This is my favorite question to ask, which is why I save it for the end. And being someone that has made it, that is playing collegiate basketball at the highest level, what is some advice that you would give to young women who want to follow in your footsteps and play college basketball? Yeah, I think my situation is kind of unique. Um, growing up in such a small place without a lot of colleges around, I definitely had some doubts growing up. And a lot of people come to me saying like, okay, you're, I don't know why you're doing this. You're not going to go anywhere or just doubt, doubting me. So if I had some advice I'd give to women who are wanting to play college basketball, I would just say follow your dreams and never let anyone tell you you can't do it because you can and you can accomplish anything that you put your mind to. And I say that also in the fact that looking back on my journey, I think you also need to embrace it. Embrace where you come from, embrace what you've been through and embrace the people you've met. And yeah, there may be roadblocks in your journey, but accept them from what they are and learn from them. I think that's the best advice that I could give to someone. And that's perfect. That's wonderful. Drew, thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy schedule and hopping on and helping to make this podcast better. I really appreciate you. Yes, thank you for having me. And that is Drew Gilton. Oh boy, I tell you, one of the incredible athletes that have come through this program, one of the truly terrific people. I need to make sure to give Christy and Daniel a big shout out for just the type of player and the competitor and the person that Drew Gilton has truly become. And you could hear it in her voice, just how grateful she is for the family she grew up in. She still has that extremely tight bond. Obviously, she's home right now spending time with them as we speak. And she's just a truly incredible person. So I would be remiss if I did not give the credit that is due uh, to Christy and to Daniel Gilton. So that is Drew Gilton, the point guard who will become a junior next year. Even though she's already technically finished three years of school, she'll be a junior due to that torn ACL that she suffered in the semifinal game of her final high school game of her career. Just truly heartbreaking for her not to be able to experience that, but obviously she's doing wonderful things here at the University of Utah. All right, so let's move on now. Let's talk about some things that happened around the program here this week. And frankly, there was some giant news out of the University of Utah and I'm so excited for it. So obviously we know what's going on around the world right now, around the state of sport. And finally, we have a light at the end of the tunnel. As it was announced earlier this week to the University of Utah, the Utah Athletics Program will begin to phase reopening of athletic facilities to allow student-athletes to come back and to be a part of their teams. That will all begin in two weeks from today, June 15th. So could not be more excited about that. The phase will consist of allowing small groups of student-athletes to have access to training facilities for in-person volunteer 
voluntary workouts and to allow the resumption of in-person voluntary workouts at on-campus facilities. So basically what you're going to see is starting June 15th, a small phase of student-athletes returning to the program. So the way that this will work out is beginning on June 15th, six different programs from the University of Utah will begin to allow different phases of athletes to be able to come in. That includes football, men's basketball, women's basketball, the gymnastics team, volleyball, and as well, soccer. So those six programs will begin with allowing in-state returning student athletes. So those players that are already within the state will be the first ones to come. A week later, they will allow out-of-state returning student athletes to come back and to be a part of it as well. And then the week after that, starting June 28th, uh, new student athletes, so the new freshmen coming in or the new transfers coming in from football, men's basketball, basketball, women's basketball, gymnastics, volleyball, and soccer will all be able to come into those uh, facilities as well. The next day will be a re-evaluation of the first three phases to determine uh, whether they are ready to return to full activity at the University of Utah. Now, it will be very comprehensive in the fact that anybody who comes into the facilities will have daily temperature checks, including wristbands and face coverings. Student-athletes will be escorted to and from training facilities as well as within all facilities. Student-athletes must be cleared to work out and listed on a roster at the check-in points with specified report times. Those who fail to report at the correct time or not cleared will not be granted access to facilities. So although it is a return, it is still one of those returns that is very slow. And frankly, I think that's the best way to do it. You have to figure out you know, what is safe and then you can get into you know, what you really want to do with your off-season workouts. So this is just a positive. Really what this is, is it's a complete step in the right direction. And it's great that women's basketball will be a part of it, that they can return to facilities beginning in two weeks on June 15th. So congratulations to the University of Utah and to Mark Harlan as well for starting this phase and allowing student-athletes to be able to get back to where they need to. And so that is really the big news out of the University of Utah women's basketball program this week is that beginning on June 15th, uh, we'll be able to finally get back to somewhat normality. And finally, obviously, we know what happened throughout this last weekend, really the last week altogether, and I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but I do want to make sure that I read to you the statement that head coach Lynn Roberts came out and stated after what happened in Minneapolis and Minnesota and what's going on around the country right now with protests and with riots. Um, So this is what Coach Roberts had to say, and I do want to make sure that I read this aloud. During these heartbreaking times in America, my staff and I stand with all our student-athletes and the challenges they will face as young people in this world. We will continue to listen to, seek to, understand, and stand in solidarity with one another despite any differences between us and the oppression that exists beyond sport. Utah women's basketball is a tight-knit family that we are all proud to be a part of. And now more than ever, we are united and motivated to be agents of change. And that is from head coach Lynn Roberts. The one thing I do want to say, and the one thing that I will end with, that I understand that I will never understand. However, I stand with you. This is the What You Need to Know podcast. I am Tyson Ewing. Thank you so very much for tuning in today. Be sure to catch us on Apple Podcasts on podbean.com as well as the Podbean app and online at utahutes.com. Again, thank you so very much to Drew Gilton for being the guest today. Coming up next week, we'll sit down with outgoing sophomore incoming junior Andy Torres. Have a wonderful week. We'll catch up with you again next week as this is the What You Need to Know podcast. As always, kill you.